Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. All right, Dakota, on today's episode, we are talking about the Spanish Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition. That sounds familiar. We talked about the Spanish flu. Was there anything related to that in that one? Other than the name Spanish? No. Okay. Because I was like, this is one of those moments where I was like, you know where where you tell me something and then I forget it. <laughs> so like literally every conversation yeah, we have? Yeah, pretty much. And then I you you reference it later and I'm like, oh god, am I supposed to know this one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no. Okay, we haven't talked about this. No, Inquisition. we haven't. Okay. Yeah. I I've heard of this though before. Maybe. No, no, I have. Oh, okay. I, I I this that wasn't a question. <laughs> you don't get to decide what I've heard about before. Oh, okay. <laughs> So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of the Spanish Inquisition. like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So Dakota! What the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, did. you went for a singing approach there. I, I did, uh, yes. was not expecting that. What if I sang the rest of this podcast? I... I would be very impressed. The singing historian. The singing historian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your golden nugget? Uh, my golden nugget is uh, our yard. What we've been doing it with mm. this uh, this past weekend. We went out, spent a bunch of money on some uh, things for the yard, got a wheelbarrow, got a bunch of uh, compost and uh, peat, peat moss and other stuff for, uh, for my gardens. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on filling those up. I still... That's, that shit is expensive. Yes. It's, uh. For dirt. For dirt. Like, a bag it's of compost. It's not dirt cheap. <laughs> I see, I, I see what you did there. That was, that was good. Thank you. I, I thought it was my job to make the jokes. Yeah. But you, you nailed it. So, uh, yeah. We just, uh, you know, we got that fence up, uh, a few weekends ago, and then we got, uh, uh we just, uh, put the, latch attached to it so the dogs can't just willy-nilly go into the backyard anymore so Mm. it's good and i've wanted a wheelbarrow since i was just a wee lass (laughs) 
<laughs> Mommy, can we get a wheelbarrow? Yes. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, very good. What about you? What's your golden nugget? Oh, I don't know. There's so many. So I swam two kilometers today. Ooh. Yes, it was my best. You're so fast. Yes, but it was a. I had a really like my form was just really off. I felt really sloppy in the water. So yeah. But I did 2K, so it was my best. Yeah. Oh, really? That's yeah. your best? That's awesome. I've never swam 2K before. Wow. Me neither. Well, I mean as an adult. Yeah. As a child, I did. Uh, you, you, you did? I did, yeah. That's... Yeah, like the... I was a long distance swimmer. Wow. I'm impressed. Thank you. Um. So that was one. Yeah. Uh, I got vaccinated. Yeah. That was yeah. a bonus. You joined the elite. I did, yeah. With yeah. the Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And um, we just watched the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. I did... It was incredible. Like, uh, if you liked, um, Lego movie, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or the 21 Jump Street movies. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's made by the same people. It's, uh, well, this, this was produced by them. I, I saw in the credits, but they had a big hand in it because wow. the style was very much like their classic style and the jokes were like, yeah, very similar. So. Well, and I don't usually laugh. At- Ever. Never. I never <laughs> laugh. I'm very serious. No, yeah. I don't usually laugh at like TV shows or movies and yeah. I was laughing. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was so good. Did, did you like the 20, you like the 21 Jump Street? I've never seen it. The ones with, uh, uh, Chang Tatum and Jonah Hill. Oh shit. We are, we are watching. The those. only thing I know about yeah. that is because I really like to do a unit yeah. on spoken word poetry. Yeah. And so every time I have a student oh. be like, see, Lee, yeah, or whatever it is. I don't yeah. even know. But yeah, uh, yeah, that would get Cynthia, anno- that's Cynthia, yes, that would get annoying. But seriously, yeah. they're some of my favorite comedies behind mm. Superbad, probably like super close. So yeah. very good. Okay. Well, so I want to give a shout out to Teresa and Ray for the suggestion of the Spanish Inquisition. They suggested it to us. Oops. I figured when you said that, yes. <laughs> thanks for the suggestion. Redundancies. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always uh, nice to take, take uh, you know, listener ideas, fans, yes. if yes. you will, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, well, not for a while. I, it's on my list because I have yeah. a list. But um, they suggested it and I was like, yes, torture. I'm in. A torture. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Before we begin, I want to ask. So, Inquisition. Mm. So, the only reference I have for that is the Dragon Age Inquisition game that you love so much. Oh, I guess yeah. There's some. So, so Inquisition definition is that like a team up? <laughs> no. Okay. Because but was... like good inferencing skills. Okay. Because I was like, because in in that game, you're like you're forming a team essentially yeah. and bringing them together so yeah um okay so what is an inquisition then? well yeah so the inquisition part comes from um the idea of a religious group that holds all the power mm-hmm. rooting out heretics from that religious group so if you play that game that's kind of i mean it's not the whole idea behind or maybe it is i don't remember i just remember that my characters got married it's true and they got a dog so. They did get a dog. <laughs> it was so good. And the dog was part of the engagement process. Okay, we're getting be- off topic be- It's here. beautiful. <laughs> uh, so the Spanish Inquisition is actually huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I do hope that I can do my best to cover it. If I miss anything or you aren't happy with it, listeners, please let me know. Correction connection. Yeah, just note that I'm not going to go super into depth with this because there are inst- like entire university courses that are about this topic and people have written books on it um so our little podcast is not going to go that in depth with it damn yeah 
So, but in summation, the Spanish Inquisition was a judicial inquisition that was established to combat heresy in Spain. In practice, however, it served to consolidate power in the monarchy of the newly unified Spanish kingdom, but achieving that in an infamously brutal method. According to modern estimates, around 150,000 people were prosecuted for various offenses during the three centuries that this thing happened. Wait, century is a... Hundred years. Wait... A hundred years. So this took three hundred years. Yeah, I, which oh. that I didn't. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. So three fucking centuries of the Spanish Inquisition, and of these one hundred fifty thousand people that were prosecuted, between three thousand and five thousand people were executed. And you will note that I make different reference to numbers throughout mm-hmm. this podcast because different historians give different records. Oh, you know when I love a non-committal you know yes answer in these podcasts i know so only th- th- well i say only that's a lot three thousand to five thousand out of one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. i mean that's not bad <laughs> <laughs> i guess so that's a lot but like i guess percentage wise yeah, yeah percentage wise i you know I, i'm a statistics uh lover so you are if i know anything about you it's <laughs> yeah that. that's the that's my defining trait is i love statistics <laughs> <laughs> yes so The Tribunal of the Holy Office of the Inquisition, or commonly known as the Spanish Inquisition, was established in 1478 by the Catholic monarchs King Ferdinand II of Aragon and Queen Isabella I of Castile. So they got married, they united their kingdoms, and it became Spain. The purpose of this group, the Inquisition, was to maintain Catholic orthodoxy in their kingdoms. Although early Christians had experienced heavy persecution, By the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church had significant religious and political power in Europe. To maintain its authority, the Church suppressed heretics. The Church did have a very specific definition of heresy, and it is... Good. I was was about to ask definition, so... Yeah, there you go. A heretic publicly declared his beliefs, and they're based upon what the Church considered inaccurate interpretations of the Bible, and he refused to denounce these heretical beliefs. Okay. Oh, even, even after being corrected by the authority, he also tried to teach his beliefs to other people, and he had to be doing these things by his own free will, not under the influence of the devil. Okay, so interesting. So if you if you interpreted the Bible in anything that was outside of what they believed, then you were a heretic? Correct. And you would be persecuted? Correct. Well, prosecuted, not persecuted. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So persecuted would mean, like, just your random fellow humans are like, ah, what a loser. (laughs) And prosecuted is like, the judges are coming after you to take Mm. you to court. Okay, so they were taken to court. Yes. Huh. Okay. The Spanish Inquisition operated in Spain and all Spanish colonies and territories, which included the Canary Islands and the Kingdom of Naples, and all Spanish possessions in the Americas. So what was this Inquisition that I keep talking about? Tell us. (laughs) Well, at its most basic definition, its purpose was to identify heretics among those who had converted from Judaism and Islam to Catholicism. During the 13th and 14th centuries, so before the Spanish Inquisition, it's interesting to note most of the Catholic populations in Aragon and Castile did not pay much attention to the Jewish and Muslim minorities in their land. Aragon did impose some discriminatory taxation towards these groups of people, so false conversion was a way to evade these taxes. However, Aragon did also have laws that specifically protected minorities. For example, crusaders attacking Jewish or Muslim subjects of the king of Aragon while on their way to fight were punished with death by hanging. 
And up to the 14th century, the census and wedding records show an absolute lack of concern with avoiding intermarriage or blood mixtures. Whereas in other places in Europe, laws preventing intermarriage were quite common. In Castile as well, there is no proliferation of anti-Jewish pamphlets as England and France had during the 13th and 14th centuries. And those that they did find were modified and watered-down versions. Essentially, Jewish people and Muslims were tolerated and generally allowed to follow their traditional customs in domestic matters. So the Inquisition was created to root out these Jewish people and Muslim people that had converted to Christianity. Wait, so, okay, so they didn't want, um, this confuses me because, uh, wouldn't they want people to join their faith? Or is that not the case? They do, and they want them to join it by force, but then they want them to, um, join Catholicism and be perfect Catholics and not fake Catholics. And so the Inquisition was designed and created to find the fake Catholics and be like, you are doing heretical things, so let's catch you. What if this Jewish person switched to Catholicism and was a perfect Catholic, though? They don't care? Well, essentially they shouldn't care, but with the Inquisition, you have lots of people being like, yo, my neighbor over there is a heretic, so you should probably check him out. Ah, the... uh Snoopy neighbor. Hmm. It's interesting. They sound like a bunch of fuckers. Yes. Well, and then also, too, you have the anti-Semitic beliefs that were still rampant in Europe at this time. So even if you were a Jewish person and you could, like, converted to Catholicism, your fellow humans would probably be like, well, I don't trust that person because they're actually just a Jewish person. Yeah, I guess this was in the 1400s, hey? Yes. It was... (laughs) It was a different time. Yeah, so... Well, but anti-Semitism still exists. For sure. Uh, still, though, that's I. Uh, that's bonkers to me that they were just, like, wanting people to switch their religion, but if they weren't the right people, I guess, then yeah. they're like, nope, we don't want your kind. Yeah. There's a theory that the Spanish Inquisition was in response to this multi-religious nature of Spanish society at the time. Muslim people had previously been in control of much of the Iberian Peninsula in the early 13th and 14th centuries. However, this territory was eventually taken back by the Catholics. Uh, This period is called the Reconquista. Reconquista? Yes. Ooh, that's fun. Jewish people at this time were also facing increasingly anti-Semitic attitudes all over Europe. England and France had expelled their Jewish populations in 1290 and 1306, respectively. At the time of the Reconquista, Spain's anti-Jewish sentiment was also increasing, despite the long tradition of Jewish service to the crown of Aragon. Every time you say Aragon, I just think of that young adult novel. I'm like, when are the dragons going to show up? (laughs) I don't know. The prejudice came to a head in the summer of 1391 when anti-Jewish riots broke out in the number of Spanish cities like Barcelona. This unrest affected nearly all of the Jewish people in Spain, during which time an estimated 200,000 people changed or hid their religion from the outsiders. In the Catholic Church, forced baptism was not allowed. However, due to legal semantics at the time, this meant only physically forced baptism. People who were threatened with death or serious injury were still considered to have consented to the baptism. After the public violence, many Jewish people felt it safer to remain in their new religions and became known as conversos, or new Christians. Many conversos now freed from anti-Semitic restrictions that had been imposed on Jewish employment could attain important positions in Spain. So these new Christians, the Jewish people, they were a they were different from the Inquisition. 
Yes. Okay. So the Inquisition is the people who are trying to go to these new Christians and say, mm-hmm. which of you are actually Christians and which of you are heretics and we now need to prosecute and uh, maybe burn at the stake. Damn. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, uh, I did not know we were going to get into stake burning here. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, just so clarify in your mind, we've got yeah. new Christians called conversos. Yeah. Who are the subject of the prosecution by the Inquisitors with the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. So that finally brings us up to the time of the Spanish Inquisition that we're looking at. So I just wanted to lay a little background information there about these different religious groups, the Jewish people and the Muslim people who had converted to Christianity um, and who were under, you know, suspicion by the Catholic Church, which is why they had created the Inquisition. Which brings us to Aragon and Castile who were united by the marriage of Ferdinand and Isabella in 1469, creating Spain as we know it. Ferdinand and Isabella believed corruption in the Catholic Church was caused by Jewish people who had converted to Catholicism in order to avoid centuries of anti-Semitism. As we know, they're called conversos. They were viewed with suspicion by old, powerful Christian families. Conversos were blamed for a plague and accused of poisoning people's water and abducting Christian boys. Damn. I just, uh, is, and this was baseless. This was just them accusing them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, were there any boys missing or? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or, or was like Timmy being like, no, I'm over here. <laughs> I have no idea, actually. Oh, weird. The Inquisition was unique in that it was established by secular, so that's like not church people, mm-hmm. secular rulers with the approval of Pope Sixtus IV and not the church itself, as the previous versions had been. Um, There had been lots of other inquisitions that had happened previously. They've Mm -hmm. all been, like, trying to find the better, or trying to get rid of the heretics that are perverting the Catholic Church. Right. Yeah. But this was the most successful one? Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got it, babe. Thanks, I'm I'm learned. (laughs) Ferdinand and Isabel La... Ferdinand, I was like, why do I have Isabel here? That's not her name. (laughs) Ferdinand and Isabella feared, among other things, that even the trusted conversos, like the ones who served in their court, were secretly practicing their old religions. The couple was also afraid of angering their Christian subjects who demanded a harder line against the conversos. And at this time, Christian support was crucial in an upcoming crusade against Muslims in Granada. So these, these, they're, they're worried that these conversos are like, you know, when they're in church and stuff, they're like, oh, praise Jesus. And then when they go to their other friends, they're like, hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what, well, yeah. I mean, that's a stripped down version of what it is, but that's basically <laughs> how it's playing. Yeah. And I'd like to just clarify for our listeners that we realize that Judaism is not associated with Satanism. And Yeah, that- no. So- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just pointing out the uh, uh, ridiculous nature of the hypocrisy. The, the hypocrisy of the Inquisition that they would um of how they would go about this the the thought process i guess yes so yeah you got it in 1478 pope sixtus the fourth issued a papal bull which is like a law from the pope papal papal bull papal bull <laughs> you're papal bull. it's not a pokemon snubble snubble yeah papal meaning pope and then bull meaning like the decree Mm. Uh, this papal bull authorized the Catholic monarchs to name inquisitors who would address the issue of heretics in their land. 
That did not mean that the Spanish sovereigns were turning to the church in their struggle for unity. On the contrary, they sought to use the Inquisition to support their absolute and centralizing regime, and most especially to increase royal power in Aragon. The first Spanish inquisitors, operating in Seville, proved so severe that Sixtus IV attempted to stop it. Sixti- okay, let's stop for a second. Sixtus IV? Sixtus IV. Sixtus IV? Is yeah. that his name? Unless I'm saying it wrong, S-I-X-T-U-S. Sixtus. Wait, that's his name? Yes. Oh, I th- well, but popes, like, popes are born with their names, and yeah. then they take a name when they become a pope. Oh, I thought they made up a number or something, like si- like six, like 60-something? Sixtus? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, back to our history of names, I'm sure Sixtus, it, Latin, so means something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So he attempted to intervene against this, like, really hardcore in- inquisition. Wait, However, so Sixtus was good? Yeah, sort of. Oh, okay. I mean, is a pope ever good? But I don't know. Isn't the new pope kind of cool? <laughs> Isn't he chill? Yeah, I don't think that um, modern society would allow the same type of like power grabs that popes of back in yonder year did. Mm, right, okay. However, the Spanish crown now realized that they had a weapon too precious to give up, and the efforts of the pope to limit the powers of the Inquisition were to no avail. Despite his critique of the Inquisition, he was pressured into supporting it. Um, people think that they, that Isabella and Ferdinand, Isabella, Isabella and Ferdinand threatened to remove some of their troops that were protecting Rome. So he kind of was like, well, I guess you guys can keep doing what you want to do. Damn. In 1483, he was forced to authorize the naming of a Grand Inquisitor for Castile. And during that same year, Aragon, Valencia, and Catalonia were placed under the power of the Inquisition. The first Grand Inquisitor in Spain was the Dominican friar Thomas de Torcomanda. <laughs> friar Tuck. And that would be way easier for me to say. <laughs> and his name has become synonymous with the brutality and fanaticism associated with the Inquisition. Tuck used torture and the confiscation of property to terrorize his victims, and his methods were the product of a time when judicial procedure was purposely cruel by design. The Grand Inquisitor acted as the head of the Inquisition in Spain, and the, and the ecclesiastical backing he received from the Vatican empowered him to name deputies and hear appeals. In deciding appeals, the Grand Inquisitor was assisted by a council of five members and by consultors. They would meet every morning, as well as an additional two hours, three afternoons a week. Morning sessions addressed faith-related heresies, while afternoons were dedicated to minor heresies, such as sexual offenses and bigamy. I feel like they're just doing this over brunch or something. <laughs> you know, I kind of got that vibe. Too. Just like getting brunch three times a week. Just like, like, what are they doing for two hours? You know, they like, you know, have yeah. their breakfast and then get down to business. Yeah. The inquisitorial court would then travel across the country conducting tribunals. Inquisitors would arrive in a town and announce their presence, giving citizens a chance to admit to their heresy. A typical inquisition began with an edict of grace after Catholic mass, in which the inquisitors explained what constituted as heresy and encouraged the congregation to confess any transgressions. Those that confessed would escape torture and extreme punishment, but were forced to denounce any other heretics. That meant that they could tattletale on others. <laughs> well, you know what they say, snitches get stitches. Well, I mean, or burnt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snitches get burnt doesn't really have like a, doesn't roll off the tongue, you know? It doesn't, no, yeah. yeah. So here's where you kind of have one of the problems with the Inquisition is that... One of the problems. <laughs> One of the problems, yeah. So they roll up into this town and they're like, sup, who's a heretic here? And Can you imagine? <laughs> Just like they're riding on the horse, sup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they roll in and they're like, 
you know that they're coming, you know what they're capable of, they you know that they're going to torture you. Um yeah. and if you if your neighbors already know that you're a Jewish person and they're like eh, you know, I feel a little sus about that dude over there, this Jewish dude that um uh, This feels totally sus. <laughs> I'm just trying to like be hip guys so that our okay. listeners can relate. Uh, yeah, I'm just like but it's so much funnier picturing these like you know night style dudes on horses talking like this yeah that's fair (laughs) anyways so you know that your neighbors know that you're jewish and you think okay it's probably just easier for me to say hey i screwed up here please don't torture me um i'll i'll repent of my sins and i'll i'll face the punishment that you want to give me and then they're like cool great thanks for doing that who else do you know that's a heretic so it's like a snowballing effect yeah that uh I mean, put in that position, that would be, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that the level of pressure you feel in the, those sort of situations when a, a knight rolls up to you and starts off by saying, sup? <laughs> yeah. Stressful. Yeah. Heresy could be definitively proven if the accused was caught in a heretical act, but the goal of the Inquisitor was always to extract a confession or admission of guilt. Inquisitors were not only better educated and better versed in the Bible than their subjects, They were also specifically trained in how to question them in a confusing or leading way. Often the accused wasn't clever enough to answer the Inquisitor's questions and prove their innocence. Just ask them in riddles. (laughs) Riddle me this, Batman. (laughs) But the Inquisitor still needed a satisfactory confession. Accused heretics could be imprisoned for years until one was obtained. Eventually, as the Inquisition grew in its powers, priests and bishops were at times judged by the Inquisition. And there were countless other abuses of power during the time of this Inquisition. For example, a man named Count Raymond Seventh of Toulouse was known for burning heretics at the stake even though they had confessed. His successor, Count Alphonse, confiscated the lands of the accused to increase his riches. Huh. This, uh, sounds like dicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sentencing of the accused took place at the Auto de Fi, which is Portuguese for act of faith. Hmm. Uh, this I, was, wait, auto what? Auto da fi. <laughs> and obviously I'm giving that a very English Yeah. Come, come on down and buy your car at auto da fi. Yeah, I, we need my um, friend Livia to tell me how to say this. But she's back in Brazil now, so. Oh. So the auto da fi was an elaborate public expression of the Inquisition's power. The condemned were presented before a large crowd that often included royalty, and the proceedings had a ritualized, almost festive quality. The heretics were forced to wear a sackcloth with a single eye hole over their heads, and those who refused to confess were burned at the stake. Damn. The number of burnings at the stake during Friar Tuck's tenure (laughs) is generally estimated to have been about (laughs) 2,000. Man. Did Friar Tuck and uh, Robin Hood have like a breakup or something like that? Uh, Because like (laughs) he went a little wild after that relationship, it sounds like. Yeah. Friar Tuck is from Robin Hood, right? I believe so. Okay. I was like, I don't know if I'm mixing up my... uh, Disney films? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) my Russell Crowe films, actually. (laughs) He was in that, wasn't he? No, no, no. He was Noah. (laughs) I'm thinking Kevin Costner, Mm -hmm. I think, was Robin Hood. As mentioned earlier, the Inquisitions were tribunals which is a type of trial where the judge or judges tries the accused and passes a judgment. But the trials of the Inquisition were unique in several ways. The accused was required to testify, and they didn't get a lawyer or any type of assistance. If they refused to testify, the Inquisitor took this refusal of proof of their guilt. 
anybody could testify against him, including relatives, criminals, and other heretics, and he wasn't told who his accusers were. The accused usually didn't have any witnesses testify on his behalf because they could also fall under suspicion of being a heretic. He also wasn't always immediately informed of the charges against him, so he wouldn't know what, like, heresy he had committed. Like, maybe he said the Our Father wrong or something, but he wouldn't know that. They were just like, you're a heretic, now we're going to charge you. Once someone was accused and the presence of heresy had been established, they would be imprisoned. Their property would be confiscated to cover expenses and maintenance costs while the imprisonment could last for months, if not years. In 1252, Pope Innocent IV had previously issued a papal bull that allowed the use of torture to get a confession. So that was about 400 years. No. So that's about 200 years prior to the Spanish Inquisition. Okay, but uh, I think we're jumping over a big thing. Pope Innocent? (laughs) Hello, I'm Pope Innocent. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't commit crimes. I'm innocent. (laughs) So then in the 16th century, the Spanish Inquisitors took full advantage of this bull. The task... (laughs) That poor bull. (laughs) Words are fun. (laughs) They are. I'm having a lot of fun with all these words that you're throwing out today. (laughs) Uh, This task was often assigned to local authorities, but the inquisitors themselves participated as well in the torture. If the accused confessed while being tortured, they had to confess again while not under torture for the confession to count. Torture was only supposed to be used if all other attempts at obtaining proof of heresy had been exhausted. So, Dakota, were people really being tortured at this time? Well, it sounds like it. Well, yes. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I feel like this should have been a two-parter and that should have been the cliffhanger. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) But historians are still divided as to the extent to which the torture was used and how far it went. There was little discretion given to who was tortured. Women, children, the sick and elderly were all subject to being tortured. Really? Mm -hmm. Women, children? That sounded like I was going to say a third thing. (laughs) Sick and elderly. Oh, sorry. Sick and elderly. Four things. Uh, Wow. So they had no standards for the level of uh, villainy they would go to. Yeah. Hmm. Torture was used only to get a confession, and it wasn't meant to be the punishment that the accused had to face for their crimes. I don't know, but, like, I feel like if I'm being tortured, you know, you're going to say whatever you need to say to get that person to stop. Which is why I find it wild that there are people that just refused to confess. Yeah, I I would not be that person. I'm (laughs) weak-willed. Yeah, I probably would be, too, if somebody was doing these things that I'm going to tell you. Yeah. So... Listener discretion is advised. Very good. You finally you finally nailed it. <laughs> um, some inquisitors used starvation. Some forced the accused to consume and hold vast quantities of water in their bodies. Some of them waterboarded the accused. S- some uh, used the old uh, chubby bunny on these people. And some <laughs> heaped burning coals on parts of the accused's body. But these methods didn't always work fast enough for their liking. So, one other form of torture was called strapado, and it began with the first medieval inquisition. Strapado. (laughs) Strapado. Strapado. Yes. In this form of torture, the hands of the accused were tied behind their back, and a rope was looped over a brace in the ceiling of the chamber or attached to a pulley. Then the subject was raised until they were hanging from their arms. This might cause the shoulders to pull out of their sockets. This is a lot less sexy than i thought it would be Mm. you said strip so 
Yes. You know. Sometimes the torturers would add a series of drops, jerking the subject up and down. Weights could also be added to the ankles and feet to make the hanging even more painful. Fuck. The rack was another well-known torture method associated with the Inquisition. The subject had their hands and feet tied or chained to rollers with a handle, which pulled the chains or ropes in increments in opposite directions. This stretched the subject's joints, often until they dislocated. Holy shit. If the torturer continued turning the rollers, the accused arms and legs could be torn off. What? Have I seen this before? Was this in Princess Bride? Where yeah. Where they tried to stretch him? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was much more comical in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not for real comical. Oh. Often, simply seeing someone else being tortured on the rack was enough to make another person confess. Then, Yeah, <laughs> I would tell them whatever the fuck they wanted to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then, while the accused heretics were on the strapado or on the rack, the Inquisitors often applied other torture devices to their bodies. These include heated metal pincers, thumbscrews, or other devices designed to burn, pinch, or otherwise mutilate their hands, feet, or bodily orifices. Although mutilation was technically forbidden in the Papal Bull of 1256, later, Pope Alexander IV decreed that Inquisitors could clear each other from any wrongdoing that they might have done during their torture sessions. Yes, it is what Jesus would have wanted (laughs) for you to pull this person apart. Like, fucked up. Inquisitors needed to extract a confession because they believed it was their duty to bring the accused back to the faith. Bizarre way to do that. That's how you're going to bring somebody back to Jesus is by mutilating their body? Mm-hmm. Man, I, you know, I, I feel like Jesus and I are homies and uh, pretty sure he wouldn't want that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> a true confession resulted in the accused being forgiven but they were usually still forced to absolve themselves by performing penances, such as pilgrimages or wearing multiple heavy crosses. Other punishments ranged from wearing a penitential garment for various lengths of time, sometimes for the rest of their lives. What is it? So it didn't really say what type of clothing that they were forced to wear, but (laughs) essentially they'd have to wear this, like, I guess, shirt that said, I'm a heretic. (laughs) Or just says, like, jackass or something like (laughs) that. (laughs) And the Inquisitor could say how long they had to wear it for, and sometimes they'd have to wear it for the rest of their lives. I got it, I got it. The back of the shirt just says, kick me. But it's a permanent, you know, that you always have the kick me sign on you. Yeah, exactly. Other forms of punishment included lashings. Yeah, that one's not surprising. Mm -hmm. They they loved a good lashing in those days. They did. If the accused did not confess, the Inquisitors could sentence him to life imprisonment. Repeat offenders, so people who confessed then retracted their confessions and publicly returned to their heretical ways, could be abandoned to the secular, secular arm. So that means that, therefore, the church is like, okay, they're breaking the laws. We can't really do much else to it. So we're going to give them over to, like, the state, which is what the secular means. Mm, Okay. So this basically meant that although the inquisitors themselves didn't execute heretics, they could let other people do it. Oh. Capital punishment did allow for burning at the stake. The number of people who died during the Spanish Inquisition is hotly debated with estimates ranging from 30,000 to as many as 300,000. So different from the 3,000 to 5,000 that I said at the beginning. There are some, however, who believe that the horrors of the Inquisitions have been exaggerated and that just 1% of the people who were tried were executed. In some cases, accused heretics who had died before their final sentencing had their corpses or bones dug up, burned, and cast out. Hmm. It it seems, with what you're telling me, it seems crazy that uh, 
that some the people think that not a ton of people died Mm because like this sounds like with how fucked up these people sound with how much they're torturing these people and like coming up with these torture devices it sounds like uh they would like love to kill all these people well that is a fair assessment i mean the, the spanish inquisition was a scary thing that people were like it's coming hide your like yamaka and your dreidel yeah and pretend to be catholic so that you don't get killed like it was a very scary time period for jewish people yeah i can only imagine while most people think of the inquisition as a single event in history it isn't it was a number of different inquisitions with the spanish being the most well known or as you said the most successful And most of the Inquisitions had little to do with creating unity in the church. Instead, the goal was to maintain authority and discourage rebellious behavior. The Protestant Reformation in the 1520s and other Christian reform movements contributed to the idea of a single Inquisition, masterminded directly by the Catholic Church. Because Spain was the greatest political power in Europe in the 16th century, reformers focused on the Inquisitions that took place in that country, pointing at the evils that existed in Catholicism. In some cases, they exaggerated circumstances of the Inquisition in order to increase anti-Catholic and therefore anti-Spanish sentiment. So that's why we have the discrepancy in the numbers, because these Protestants at the time were saying, oh no, they've killed this many people, when that might not actually be a true Mm. stat. Right. In 1998, Pope John Paul II addressed the International Symposium on the Inquisition. In his address, he stated that the Inquisition belongs to a tormented phase in the history of the church, which Christians should examine in a spirit of sincerity and open-mindedness. So, Dakota, what do you think? Well, so my question is, how did this end up? They were like, nah, no more Spanish Inquisition. We're we're done with 300 years. That's enough. Yeah, so it's like a really complicated actual way of ending it with a lot of like, this proclamation by this dude to my dad. But Mm. essentially what happened is Napoleon Bonaparte, he uh, invaded Spain and was like, what are you guys doing? Please stop these inquisitions. And wasn't Napoleon a tool, though? Wasn't he an asshole? No. Napoleon wasn't? Oh, we're going to do the history of Napoleon. (laughs) Oh, for some (laughs) reason, my view on Napoleon is just that he's this really short dude who has this like short guy complex. Yeah, Uh, he wasn't actually short. What? Okay, yeah, you got to do an episode on him because I thought he was—I thought he was a villain. <laughs> I mean, he has been remembered by some historians as a villain, but he was actually a really smart guy. He did get a little like power hungry and crazy towards yeah. the end of his reign, mm. so I guess maybe that's why he was a villain. But you know, I—I I understand it. I'm going to get a little bit power crazy at the end of my reign. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, he had conquered Spain and was like, you guys can't be continuing this Inquisition. Mm. Um, and then his brother was like the king of Spain. Yeah. Well, yeah, king of Spain. And he issued a couple of proclamations saying that it was no longer allowed. So that's how it ended. Oh, well, good on Napoleon. Apparently, I thought he was a villain. But that's good to hear that he's a good boy, except for the end of this year. But, you know, again, I can relate. So... Yeah, I found it interesting. Uh, I uh, I mean, Friar Tuck, you know, I, he's really gone downhill since his breakup with Robin Hood. But I found I found most of it interesting. The you know, I'm 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 a sucker for the effed up stuff. So know. <laughs> you know, the torture stuff. I was like, oh, that's so gross, but I love it. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, not in a not in a I would do it sort of way, listeners. <laughs> but yeah, it was very interesting. The hypocrisy of what these 
so-called Catholics would do, you know, supposedly in the name of God. But, like, that's not... (laughs) That's not what God would want. Mm -hmm. Like, torturing 150,000? Was that right? There's a lot of different numbers. 150,000, 300,000. Yeah. Torturing hundreds of thousands of people. That is not (laughs) what... Find a place in the Bible where it says to, <laughs> to torture 150,000 people. I don't know. It's fucked up. But my rating. I give this 7.6 taking advantage of bulls out of 10. <laughs> All right. How do you feel about that? Oh, that's fine. I This episode was a struggle for me. Why is that? I know about the Spanish Inquisition. I knew like vaguely an idea of what it was. But when I went to actually like go research it, it was really hard to research and to find not confusing, convoluted examples or descriptions of what this thing was and what happened. And it was actually really like boring that part. And like, mm-hmm. I guess the quote unquote good stuff or the dark stuff, right? Like yeah. nobody talks about that really. So it was... um this was a challenge. This one was a challenge for me. Interesting. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I, I feel like you did a good job of trimming the fat, though. I think so, and too. keeping it pretty concise. So, yeah, overall, pretty interesting. Uh, and, I mean, I, I can imagine with 300 years of history, that's a, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, so yeah. cramming into seven pages is. Uh, yeah, this uh, one was also one of our shorter ones. Yeah. So, not bad. Thank you. Very good. Um, cool you want to take us out i do well that's all we have for this week we'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us if you enjoyed listening to what we had to say please subscribe or download our podcast on apple spotify or google leave a review or tell your friends about us if you want to stay in contact or see behind the scenes action you can follow us on instagram at the reluctant historian or if you want to shoot us an email with the future show ideas or corrections you may have noted you can email us at the reluctant historian at gmail.com So, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And remember, don't be a prick like Friar Tuck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.